Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. Be sure to check out our 2020 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You'll also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide, plus all sorts of car-related fun. You can also stream back episodes of the Car Stuff podcast, which you should absolutely do right there on our homepage. All right, let's see who is with us online today. She is the driving force behind the Drive She Said blog. Welcome, Jill Simonillo. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Jill? I'm good. I'm good. We'll just leave it there. No donuts, so we'll just stay with good. Yeah, I am keeping track. This is week 11 without a proper <laughs> full-size donut. Oh, man. We're looking for a donut sponsorship. Maybe maybe somebody will just like send us donuts. I don't know. A donut sponsorship. That is a great idea. I'm just saying. All right. Mentioned on air. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's gold now. It's got to happen. If you <laughs> say it on air, it's a fact. <laughs> All right. He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide Automotive. He is president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, and he's super into lawn care. Welcome, Damon Bell. <laughs> Oh, my lawn isn't that good. <laughs> no, I wish I could say that. My lawn needs a full revamp. You, you actually, I've, go ahead. You actually live in one of those tidy near Chicago suburbs where everyone has a perfect lawn. Um, everyone except me. for Damon, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, in my on my street, uh, we are one of the few. If uh, there's only us and a couple other houses that actually mow their own yard. Everybody else brings in like, uh, you know, crews to do that. So I, I at least take pride in that, that I can get out and mow my own lawn. Your lawn, like my lawn is tiny. So it is actually farming that out is a special level of lazy. <laughs> it, yes. Right. And it, yeah, I can, I can have the whole thing mowed and edged in the span of a half hour. So it's not uh, that big a commitment. No, exactly. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you can't wait another 10 years for a fully autonomous car to show up at a local dealership, it turns out there are a number of autonomous features currently available on new cars right now. After the first break, we'll talk to Kelsey Mays of Cars.com about a fantastic article he's written detailing the autonomous features available on vehicles you can buy today. You don't want to miss this conversation, but first, Jill... Yes. Jill Seminillo of the Drive yes. She Said blog, you've got some news for us. I do. I do. Uh, so, you know, we were looking this week at uh, an article from Auto News, and it's uh, about Nissan plotting an Infinity reboot. And, uh, you know, it just it, it talks a little bit about the history of what was happening with Infinity, a relationship with Mercedes-Benz. And how that didn't really turn out very well. But the, my big takeaway from this uh, article was the fact that 
Infinity is no longer trying to target automakers like Mercedes-Benz or BMW. They're not trying to be upper echelon luxury. They're just looking to be what this article calls Nissan Plus. Um, and, and so to me, that means they're looking to hover around the, the near luxury stage of things like an Acura or a Buick. And uh, that's, that's definitely a different take from, from where they were. But, but Infinity hasn't been doing well. And so they had to do something. Uh, so I just I, I think this is an interesting topic of conversation and just wanted to kind of uh, see, like, is this going to succeed? What do you guys think? Is this going to succeed or how, where are they going to go with this? Yeah, it, it, the whole thing is fascinating. Infinity, for people who don't know, is Nissan's luxury arm. And it's an analog to Acura over at Honda and to Lexus over at Toyota. And people not know that that, that way back when Mazda thought about doing this and they were going to develop a uh, a line called Amadi, which was going to play in the exact same place. But Lexus mm. has been surprisingly successful for mm-hmm. Toyota. Acura has had some rough times, but it's been very successful for Honda. Infinity has never actually been successful. It's a strange brand. I don't know what kind of reputation it has with the public, but I don't know how many people right now, I don't know how many consumers can actually name a single Infinity model. And I think that's part of the brand's problem. And uh. in the last couple of years, two important models were launched that should have put Infinity back on the map. One was the QX30, which was Mm -hmm. a subcompact crossover, and one was the QX50, right in the heat of the big money luxury market, the compact crossover market, and both have been sales duds. So we're seeing now that Infinity is reeling, and Nissan, which is cash-strapped, is looking to do something with this brand uh, other than just give it up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the old models, so like G37, M35, like, and, and I, you know, I, I know the new naming strategy, but the ones I remember are the older ones. Yeah, and Damon and yeah. I have talked about this. Go ahead, Damon. I, I just, yeah, the, the, the last time I can think of Infinity really making an impression on me was kind of at the height of the, the G35 uh, era. Like, with mm-hmm. the, there were two generations of that that just, presented very well as as kind of bmw rivals and and Mm -hmm. uh upscale sports sedan that that you know had a gutsy v6 and and a lot of attitude and actually looked well modified um yeah they even flirted with the ipl sub brand that was wasn't Mm -hmm. that infinity performance line yeah that came and Mm -hmm. went in a hurry yeah Yeah. and then there was the 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 big the big it, it was cool uh, and then the big naming change, uh, where everything was shifted to Q, that's always a uh, mm-hmm. a big undertaking to re or you know rename your entire model lineup, and then the natural confusion that comes along with that 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 takes a lot of marketing uh, effort and expense, and yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they revamp things moving forward. Yeah, I don't know how this can work for them. One of the things about this that's that's compelling is that Nissan is obliged to maintain Infinity because it has an independent Infinity dealer network. Right. And dealers get a little upset when you when you take away their product. So this isn't like they're just selling these through Nissan outlets. They have to keep this line going at least for a period of time until they can sort of untie those franchise agreements. But in terms of premium Nissan products, this is a very weird place to be right now because all products are becoming premium. Mm-hmm. You know, right. with, with 
with autonomous features, which we'll be talking about in a moment, and 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 number of of luxury items that are already on vehicles. Even the simplest vehicle now is a luxury vehicle compared to what it probably was ten years ago. So I don't yeah. know how much space there is. Go ahead, Damon. Yeah, I. It, it, basically, the the automotive news article is detailing how. Yeah, one of the things that's most expensive for a manufacturer is to have unique architecture uh, for a luxury brand where there's not a, a direct equivalent in their mainstream brand. And Infinity yeah. had that for a while or, you know, remarkably different. And mm -hmm. so the the strategy that they're shifting to now is, as the article said, is a Nissan Plus, which essentially means uh, the plat the you know, underpinnings of Nissan products will be retrimmed and restyled, uh, but be sort of the same core vehicle underneath. Now, that's not that's how a lot of uh, luxury brands yeah. do it, yeah. um, and, and to greater and lesser degrees of success. Like I think, you know, for a, a long while. Uh, Ford's Lincoln brand seemed to be kind of floundering and had this reputation of just being uh, badge uh, gussied up Fords, which to a certain extent for a time they were. They seem to have uh, shaken loose of a lot of that while still using uh, some core Ford architecture, but they are doing it in a much more wholehearted way and have so uh, completely different styling, lots more upscale features, and along the same lines, in recent years, at least, Acura has been fairly successful using that same strategy. The the core architecture of, of you know, most of the Acura's vehicles, they're Hondas, yeah. but there is enough differentiation, enough styling difference, enough upscale features that uh, you truly get more when you uh, are choosing an Acura over an equivalent Honda. Yeah, well, and I think we've seen that uh, differentiation more happen in the last like couple of years. Cause I, I, I'll be honest, like with Acura Honda, like I really wasn't seeing the difference. Um, but more recently they've started making more of a difference. And I, I would say that's absolutely true now. But uh, one of the interesting things that I think that the article also calls out, um, you know, they haven't said anything definite. This is kind of like a very vague article about, you know, what's going to be happening probably. And, you know, through the relationship that Nissan had with Mercedes-Benz, you know, all of the Infiniti sedans and I believe all of the SUVs start as a base as real-wheel drive models. And uh, so by becoming more of a Nissan Plus automaker, you know, we'll probably see the real-wheel drive Infinities go away in favor of yep. mm -hmm. front-wheel drive. And, yeah, and well, so yeah. that's a huge strategic change. Yeah, the Q70 was already dropped this year unceremoniously. That was the midsize sort of BMW 5 Series fighter. That vehicle's gone, uh, and there was no news about that. But, uh, Damon, you had something to say? Yeah, I think basically it just boils down to the the, the on its face, like the, the strategy is, is not a bad one. It's really all going to boil down to the execution. You know, if they sure. can, if they can use these Nissan platforms and execute the styling, the upscale features, and the the luxury in such a way that there's a significant difference while still saving themselves a lot of production money, that part that that will probably work. But again, they've got an uphill battle just given the state that the Infinity brand is in right now. So it'll be interesting yeah. to watch. 
Yeah, absolutely. We will watch this story. Hey, Damon. Yes. You're, you're an automotive journalist, and you sometimes find yourself behind the wheel of interesting test product. What have you been driving? Well, we, we've had a couple uh, BMWs through the office, and I thought we'd do something a little bit different this week in our review segment, uh, because we've had, uh, at Consumer Guide, we've had a BMW 8 Series Coupe, uh, which was an 840i, the six-cylinder model. And then we've also had a M850i Grand Coupe, which is the uh, four-door coupe version of that same architecture. And Jill, I think you've recently had the uh, line-topping performance version, the M8. Is that correct? That is correct. And, and did you have a coupe or a convertible? Uh, not the convertible. It was, it was the coupe, but it was the, the, the was four door. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 you had a grand M8 grand coupe. The, the grand coupe. I can't, I can't look at a <laughs> sedan and not, call, I can't call a sedan a coupe. So I'm calling it a coupe. I think the magic, okay. the, the magic of the grand coupe thing is that you, you actually get to brand useless rear seat and, <laughs> and, and make it sound like a good thing. Hey, I managed to put um, a, a, like a very large, like 22 inch by 22 inch box in the back seat of the M8. Um, two of them, actually. So I wouldn't say it's completely useless. I should not yeah, say and that. Let me take it back. Because <laughs> in the case of the 8 Series, that's a fairly large car anyway. In the yeah. case of the 2 Series Grand Coupe, that, that back is seat useless. is useless. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But but that's all that that's a it's it's all in how you look at it because if you're expecting the practicality of a sedan, no, it doesn't get you that. But if you want a racy looking, uh, you know, low roof line grand touring car, but you want a little bit more practicality that the uh, four doors right. and at least nominal back seat space provide. <laughs> It's a, it's obviously it's working for BMW because they are continuing with this strategy and Mercedes has similar models as well. So uh, no, it absolutely the, the fact works. that these are exactly, you know. So you have but the yeah, it's, series Grand Coupe, which is actually priced above the seven series large sedan and you're paying for a rakish rear roof line and they got people paying for it. Mm-hmm. So, so kudos mm-hmm. to BMW and to their credit, these vehicles are really good looking. Yeah. Yeah. And and they are remarkable. We again we've sampled. Uh, hopefully, we'll be getting an M8 in our test fleet as well to to so we can try out the top uh, performance version. That said, the the M850 versions of this, <laughs> they they leave very little to be desired in terms of performance. I think those are sub four second uh, zero to sixty cars. Uh, they are remarkably fast, and when you put mm-hmm. them in sport mode. Uh, they really change the character of the vehicle into a much more uh, hairy-chested uh, performance machine, even from what they are to start with. So uh, the 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 M850 versions are pretty remarkable. I can only uh, I, I'm sure the the M8 Jill is just a rocket ship uh, yeah. full stop. Oh yeah. yeah, no, it was it was what probably one of the most beautiful, fun, fast, uh, comfortable. 
vehicles I've ever driven. I, I mean, there, you, you, I mean, we we're in and out of vehicles every week and you know, they're, they're good vehicles. They're okay vehicles. And there's maybe one or two like not good vehicles. There are very few of those out there, but there are very few vehicles that I come across that I'm like, Oh hell no, I do not want to give this back. <laughs> and, um, and I will say unequivocally, the M8 was absolutely one of those vehicles. Like if, if I could have just disappeared with that vehicle, I absolutely would have done it. It was, I mean, it, it was everything I wanted and everything I didn't know I wanted, but now I want. Um, yeah. Because it, it was fast, smooth, you know, it, it, on the highway, it was comfortable. Um, I, I <laughs> had to take a friend to the airport while I had this car. She was moving to Phoenix. And so, um, and, and I, she was running late and she was boarding at like 6.40, I think. And we left her place at 6.15 and um, we were there at like 6.45. And um, from her place, that was not necessarily a half an hour drive. Um, <laughs> but we made it. And, 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 and she's also a very timid passenger. And so I fully expected her to be like, slow down, don't go so fast, you know, uh, be careful. But she didn't even realize, you know, that we weren't, um, you know, we were a little bit over the speed limit. And yeah. um, I, I mean, it's just one of those cars that drives fast, feels fast. And well, I guess I shouldn't say it feels fast because it's just so smooth. And, and mm. I, I mean, there were several times that like I was just driving and I had to like put on the cruise control because if I didn't like I would have been in trouble. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're way over the speed limit. Yeah. yeah. For, for the record, the, the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast does not condone driving at no. speed. Yeah. <laughs> 55 miles an hour is where you should be in Chicago. Um, and uh, but 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 it was one of those things that like I, I I honestly at first didn't realize I was going over the speed limit, and then um, I was just like, oh wow, this is nice. But don't do that. <laughs> You will, and you will certainly uh, uh, vehicles with this level of luxury and performance are obviously not cheap. Uh, this no. the M850 Grand Coupe that we had was uh, a shade under $122,000 uh, with the bottom line, and that was up from a base price of about 109. Mm -hmm. uh, and even the quote unquote budget version, which is the uh, 840 coupe that we had that had a starting price of a shade under $88,000 and ours was optioned up to about 102,000. So obviously not cheap. Uh, one thing that bears mentioning with the 840i coupe uh, that we had surprisingly good fuel economy. Yeah. Uh, our yeah. average was, was about 28 miles per gallon. Now, granted that was with a slight majority of highway driving, but, uh, Given the performance and and frankly the the heft uh, the size and the heft of this big uh, heavy luxurious two door coupe, that's a remarkably good number. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that is the hallmark of really good engineering. It doesn't necessarily mean that you get great fuel economy, but efficiency is a thing. And if you can get that kind of power, the 840 is not slow. That is a wonderful vehicle to drive and still get close to 30 miles per gallon. I think you've scored something there. So kudos to BMW for that. Yeah. Sure. And, and when you're talking about pricing, too, just wanted to chime in with the M8 Grand Coupe. Um, you know, the starting price for that is uh, 130, which is actually less than the M8 Coupe, which is 133. Um, I did not have a sticker sheet with uh, the test vehicle. It's still like so new that they didn't provide a sticker sheet. But I think I spec'd it out to be around 150 wow. with options. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think that's going to be an especially rare vehicle. I think most people yeah. are going to find the, the M850 or even the 40 plenty of vehicle if they're in that market at all so there you have it all right guys we're going to take a break uh when we come back we're going to talk to kelsey mays of cars.com about autonomous features on new cars you don't want to miss that we'll be right back welcome back to the consumer guide car stuff podcast all right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. This is the time when I strongly suggest that you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That's Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. If you want to see weird, strange, and rare cars that I spot around Chicago, you want to follow me. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. All right, our guest today is the Senior Editor of Consumer Affairs and Vehicle Evaluation at Cars.com. He is a North American Car of the Year juror and one of the best informed product experts in the industry. He's also a pretty nice guy. Welcome, Kelsey Mays. I, I, my Twitter feed is not nearly as interesting as Tom's, so you should definitely follow Tom before you follow me. Um, I, you, can add, you, you can add to my tens of followers uh, at Kelsey underscore Mays, but... But uh, I, I will tweet approximately uh, once every blue moon. So there you go. There you go. All right. So, Kelsey, I assume yeah. that you and your family are squirreled away someplace safely? We are. We're actually uh, one of the few lucky ones to have child care right now. We have, a, we have a live-in nanny, an au pair, and she's a, she's a trooper. And so we have um, every day we can kind of get, a, get out to a separate room in the house and set up and get a lot of work done. So, yeah, very, very lucky. Now, on some level, have you blown it by saying this? And by that, do I mean, does your boss expect more work from you because you are? (laughs) (laughs) Potentially. I don't know. I mean, everybody's kind of in their own boat. Uh, You know, people with kids obviously trying to juggle child care right now. It's it's unimaginably difficult. So we consider ourselves very, very lucky. Well, cool. And, and you know, and speak, speaking of a ton of work, I, I have to congratulate you on this article that we're going to talk about, which is called "Which Cars Have Self-Driving Features for 2020?" Because that is a mountain of of work uh, mm-hmm. that you went through to sift through every uh, American-sold auto brand and to decipher what level of uh, semi-autonomous driving features they have, what they call them, and and the variations between them. It's it's uh, it's uh, the the it's the core of the article is 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 fairly simple in that there are very few there there's only one vehicle on the market now that affords uh, hands-off. Uh, semi-autonomous driving uh but the level of detail that you go through and all the rest is remarkable so kudos on that well thank you uh there's there's actually a couple brands now that do it last year there was only one well actually a couple as of a couple years ago there was only one but we've been doing this actually since 2016 we really decided look uh everybody's expecting this to come every every i mean if you went to an automotive conference in you know 2011 or 2012 that was pretty much the only thing they were talking about (laughs) uh with self-driving cars and everybody was about you know by 2025 we're going to have all these cars that drive you around i you know that that don't even look like cars anymore that just look like pods and you know everyone was talking mass market viability and and all that and then 
here we are kind of petering into 2020 and and man i mean no one's no one's expecting self-driving cars to come anytime mm-hmm. soon when you really are talking about mass market cars you can go down to your local auto mall and buy it just seems like that's a real pie in the sky notion right now you had made yeah. note that, that 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 kelsey that at the beginning of this article that the the self-driving pedal-free pod was probably being pushed back more like 2030, 2040. But as you note in this article, there's all sorts of features that you can get now. What I find fascinating about these features is how varied they are based on brand. Uh, and, and I assume that was the purpose of this article, is that there's so much confusion about what you can get that consumers really don't know what's out there. Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion about what people's cars can do, particularly when you get to people um, buying luxury vehicles. Uh, they aren't. A lot of people aren't even aware that their car may have lane centering steering, and and uh, may, may wonder what you know kind of adaptive cruise control all the way down to stop and go is. And yeah, there's just a lot of there's there's a lot of confusion around terminology. The good news is that. As we've kind of evolved this piece every year, trying to get down to the brass tacks of a few different core capabilities, um, automakers have really kind of gotten on board with this idea that, okay, here's what lane centering steering means. Here's what adaptive cruise control means all the way down to a stop. Here's what hands-free steering means. And so there's kind of less variance in, in the accepted capabilities. There's still a lot of variance in the terminology. But we're even seeing some consolidation on that front. I mean, a couple of years ago, Mercedes had half a dozen different names <laughs> for what they they were calling Distronic. Uh, yeah. um, whatever that was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, half a dozen names for what they were calling their adaptive cruise control system and and lane centering steering. We reported that in, I believe, our 2018 version of this story. One mile a year later, when we came back and did it for 2019, they had ditched all of those names and just had one name. For <laughs> so I. I'd like to think that there's some change that's maybe happening because we're, we're calling some attention to this kind of stuff. It, it's I all because so, of yeah. you, Kelsey. Take the credit. <laughs> Take the credit. I said it's all because of you, Kelsey. Take the credit. This, this, is, this, this, is where the, this is where you use the very journalistic amid or after this happens because you can't, you know, uh, allow the reader <laughs> to make the connection. <laughs> so, Kelsey, wake up, yes. If I've got forty, forty-two thousand dollars burning my hole in a burning a hole in my pocket, and go out to buy a crossover, what autonomous, semi-autonomous features should I be looking for? Well, I mean, you make a very good point, Tom. I mean, it's it's not they aren't self-driving features. We call the article self-driving features, and then if you notice at the beginning of the article, we really kind of try to dispel with that notion, and that's because you know people are googling this. People are people are googling what yeah. you know self-driving cars or self-driving, but there isn't such a thing as a self-driving mass market vehicle these days. But there sure. are what 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 the industry calls you know ADAS, uh, advanced driver assistance systems, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those really can take the burden off your your day-to-day commute. And uh, yeah, if you've got forty, forty-two thousand dollars, there's there's a few core kind of competencies that that your typical new vehicle with a lot of those features will have. One is you know adaptive cruise control, and the other is lane centering steering. And I mean, those are pretty much what they sound like. I mean, adaptive cruise control keeps you behind the car in front of you at a given speed, and it sort of stays that distance um, in most cases now all the way down to a stop in bumper to bumper traffic and um, lane centering steering does that as well it keeps you between lane markings by using a camera in the windshield typically um, 
and uh, it can sense both lane markings and, and vehicles adjacent to you in, in many cases, or in some cases, both. Uh, and so that can really take off the burden. Now, you always have to continue to pay attention to the road. Um, mm-hmm. These aren't what they call level three. This is the Society of Automotive Engineers kind of sixth level dichotomy of of different self-driving or autonomous features from level zero all the way to level five. So you can't really um, take your eyes off the road or just stop paying attention yet. We haven't really gotten there yet for the mass market, but there are systems now that uh, allow the car to steer for you, brake and accelerate for you. And uh, a couple systems, one from Cadillac, one from BMW will allow all of that to happen while you don't even have to hold the steering wheel. Which is cool, yeah. and, and that raises a question. But go ahead, Damon. You go first. Uh, I, I, to me, the the that is the real line of demarcation is is taking the ability to take your hands off the steering wheel. And yeah. uh, Tesla yeah. had autopilot had that capability in autopilot their autopilot software for a while, but they've now rescinded that. Is correct, Kelsey? Yeah, I mean they had that capability, but even in the early systems. You know, for for autopilot, uh, the systems did say you were supposed to keep your hands on the wheel. They never actually said it was okay not to put your hands on the wheel. So what you're finding now with um, BMW's system and and Cadillac's system, Super Cruise, uh, those are actually saying it's okay not to put your hands on the wheel. You can you can leave your hands kind of on your lap, and and you have to be ready to take over if need be. And the systems. Um, work only on specified highways. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, people think, well, this is just going to drive into the grocery store and back. Well, it won't do that unless <laughs> yeah, the grocery store no. is literally yeah. on an interstate highway. So it's a very interesting system, and, and the way they work is that um, they have a driver-facing camera that actually looks at you and intuits that you're paying attention um, and that's not weird at to, all. To, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> they they often look at head position, or they can look at where your eyes are facing. I mean, they 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 look at a bunch of different factors and uh, intuit that you're paying attention to the road and not you know texting or looking away or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The the metric yeah. the metric I use uh, to kind of gauge uh, the 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 true semi-autonomous level of of these systems is what I call the hoagie factor. And that's if I can eat a Subway sandwich, a nice submarine sandwich behind the wheel, that that's uh, that puts it at another tier for me. And not you can do that with the proofs of that either. <laughs> it is not. This is solely Damon Bell's uh, metric. And uh, I've, I've copyrighted that. Uh, so there is yes, a flaw. But, but, <laughs> What's there is that? A flaw in the hoagie factor, and that's that if you were eating a hoagie, and I see a traditional like eighteen-inch sandwich with a lot of lettuce, <laughs> is, is that if you if you lose some mayonnaise and you look down to sort of te- to clean uh, that up, you're going to yes. lose your your autonomous driving because you're not paying attention. Should I say? <laughs> yeah, should I change go. it to cheeseburger factor, or is that no, similarly no, no. messy? It's just an issue. It could be equally messy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, here's, so... here's what's interesting. So. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, so what's interesting is is we were really going to have a meaningful leap beyond this a couple of years ago. Um, might have been three years ago at this point. Uh, 
Audi was bringing out Traffic Jam Pilot. And if you guys remember at the right. auto shows, and they, they were talking about this. Yeah. It's going to be on the new A8, which is their flagship sedan. And it was a level three system. And the I idea remember. was they even had a, a, a advertisements that, that showed this. You could, um, at low speeds from zero to, you know, 35, 40 miles an hour in traffic on highways, uh, you could not pay attention. So the car would accelerate and brake and you wouldn't have to hold the steering wheel. And you could potentially even watch a video on the center stack display. I mean, Audi told us at the time, yeah, that, that, that's a potential activity you could do. Um, the, there was a, uh, an advertisement that showed a, a dad with his kid in the back seat, ostensibly, and they were um, playing some action figure thing while the car was creeping along in traffic. So, so the idea was that you wouldn't actually have to pay attention. Now, there were a bunch of ramifications to that, right? So you couldn't, mm-hmm. like, be texting or have your phone out because then you had a hard object in the path of an airbag deployment, potentially. And by, by wow. watching the center display, it could kind of summon you to say, well, now you need to pay attention. And there was a short period of time in which you would have to, like, kind of reassume control of the car. So you couldn't, you couldn't get in the car and, um, and, and be incapacitated or be asleep or be reading or something like that. But you wouldn't have to actually look at the road. And that was a big, big deal. Um, right. They never made it here. I mean, regulators, <laughs> state by state regulators, they, they told us they were never able to get it past uh, kind of the patchwork of regulations in the United States. And so uh, to this day, Traffic Jam Pilot is not available in any U.S. car. Yeah, There's no vehicle here um, that has achieved anywhere close to that level of, of autonomy. And I say anywhere close because actually that's a really significant difference from what we're seeing yeah. even in Super Cruise or in uh, BMW's um, system right now. Yeah. yeah. And well, we're waiting I, I, on some Super Cruise news now too, apparently. So we'll be hearing from Cadillac about, I think, expanded availability of Super Cruise on, on its uh, various products. Yeah, because right yeah, now it's Super coming Cruise out on, is just on CT6, right? Which is Correct. now out of production. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I believe it's coming out on um, CT5 and Escalade, and maybe CT4. I, I'd have to check on that. But yeah, it's uh, yes. It's, I'm looking. I'm looking at the out. article. Your, your article, Kelsey, and CT4 is included. Mm-hmm. Yep. 2021. There you, go. there you yep. go. Yeah. All right, Kelsey. This article so, is a monster, and everyone should read this. Um, how, <laughs> how can we find this? Uh, you can go to cars.com slash news, and uh, it's there, or you can um, you can Google uh, self-driving car features 2020, and it'll be uh, one of the top articles listed. Cool, and we will link to that, too, from our Facebook page and from the, uh, the article that we put together based on this episode, which is really cool. Now, Kelsey, you folks at cars.com, you've been looking at what folks can do during the, the COVID shutdown. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been a challenge for everybody, obviously. And um, you know, in, in the early days of the shutdown, there were a lot of kind of stay-at-home orders and and uh, state-by-state guidance, which varied considerably from one state to another. Particularly for what car dealerships could do, um, you had a couple states that were essentially barring sales. Um, Pennsylvania, for example, essentially barred vehicle sales at the time. Then you had other states that would issue really, really extensive guidance that was unusually specific. We, we went through and actually looked at all 50 states in the District of Columbia, and we looked at which um, guidance each state was giving to dealers and uh, repair facilities. And man, it was, it was fascinating. I mean, reading through all these governor's orders and looking at, 
you know, which which states would allow you to do what. Now, fortunately, um, for for car shoppers, uh, dealers have really gotten their act together, and they really have um, perpetuated socially distanced car sales, um, either at the dealership in, in very isolated cases where you can come in and make an appointment, or in situations where they can bring the vehicle to you. Um, we actually rolled out uh, a lot of badging for Cars.com inventory that showed uh, which dealers will allow um, uh, delivery sales uh, where the cars come to you and, and which dealers have kind of socially distanced mechanisms of selling the vehicle. And, and that's been very successful and very popular among dealers on our platform. But, I mean, the upshot is really that uh, right now we're – pretty much in a situation where all 50 states are very close to that are allowing in-person sales. And um, most most dealers in all of those states are, are basically enabled to sell vehicles in, you know, socially distanced ways. Uh, and it's nothing like it was at the very beginning because, you know, initially there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of variance between states. Um, and things have really become a lot more harmonized now, which is ultimately good for uh, for consumers and for dealers. Kelsey, what's your take on a company like Carvana? We were watching Carvana grow up until the, the COVID virus uh, situation came came online. But but is this forcing dealers to address the fact that people want to do a lot of their shopping online? Or is this a big boost for a company like Carvana that was already there? I think it's all of the above. I mean, I think it, it does present a potential boost for Carvana, but it is kind of this this notion that, you know, people really do want to do a lot of their shopping online. They want to do all the research online. They want to do as much of the negotiating and, and paperwork online as they can. And, you know, we're seeing this across so many sectors. I mean, so many companies are now saying, well, we're going to have to figure out ways to do things virtually because that's the way our workforce is oriented. And um, and dealers are, are in many ways no different. And so what you're seeing is a lot of this process um, that was already – I mean, the seeds were already kind of sown for parts of the process to migrate online before COVID. But I think what you saw with COVID was, was that it really caused a very sudden hurry up because that was literally the only way in many jurisdictions that car dealers were even going to be able to sell cars. Right. Yeah, it's a very strange situation. And, and one of the things that I've mentioned before on air, but it fascinates me, is that dealerships have put a lot of money – into their dealership, into the into the plant assets that they have there and hired good staff and have big, beautiful service departments, may not be as inclined to deal with online sales because this reduces what they do more or less to a commodity bidding process. People shop around online and they're going to go where the best price is. They're not going into the store and seeing all these fabulous upgrades that dealers have made or do they have appreciation for how clean or how big or just how professional the operation is. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, what you're seeing now is kind of this uh, this online storefront that, you know, the the uh, ease with which the dealership can can facilitate all this online, um, and really the customer service aspect of it is becoming much much more important than, you know, whether there's uh, marble countertops in the dealership's bathrooms. Excellent. Which, which, by the way, um, some, 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 some places you won't expect have have uh, super, super nice facilities. I was actually a long time ago. I found there was like marble countertops in the restroom of like a shell station in Southern California that I found myself in, and it was shocking. <laughs> there was like a plant in the corner and stuff. So, so I mean, the people who the people who invest in 
seriously upgraded restrooms um, is is fairly random. <laughs> I, I, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. No, I think so. And I think that's going to be my takeaway from this conversation. <laughs> if you leave with nothing no else. All right. Yeah, yeah. I am often surprised by nice bathrooms. Kelsey, it was awesome having you on the show. We have to do it again soon. What is the best way for people to keep track of what you're doing over at cars.com? Uh, they uh, they can go to cars.com slash news, which is where we post pretty much all of our articles um, and our reviews as well. And they can see our channel on YouTube. I am on both of those. Excellent. Thank you for joining us today. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thank you for sticking around today. Hey, Jill. Yes. Jill, how can the kids follow you in social media land? Uh, I kept it pretty simple. My name is Jill Simonello, and so that is my social media handle pretty much everywhere in existence. Um, so just all one word, Jill, and then C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. And that's cool. Twitter, Damn. Instagram, YouTube, all this stuff. That sounds good. Damon, your name is not Simonello. <laughs> it is not. So your your whole... I'm, I, yeah, my whole thing, and, I, and I'm not the only Damon Bell out there. I've discovered there's like a DJ Damon Bell, oh. and I am definitely not a DJ. So my Twitter handle is Damon Bell Likes Cars. Uh, and I'm, I, I have to mention, uh, I went to get uh, groceries the other day, and I stumbled across a foreign market Nissan subcompact hatchback in the parking lot of the yeah. grocery store, which I was very Crazy. surprised to see. So I put pictures of that up on uh, my Twitter feed. Yeah, people, people want to get involved in the hashtag car spotter phenomenon, because uh, <laughs> my pictures of Isuzu Oasis cannot be beat. So, <laughs> so I actually want to go back to Damon's uh, Twitter handle at the moment because I'm looking at it right now, and it, your your name is Damon Bell likes cars, but your Twitter handle is actually D Bell seven two three three. Yes, that was that was from the early days. Yep, I should so, have. Uh, I'm kind of locked into number? my. Is that your phone number? No, it's the <laughs> random. It's the <laughs> randomly assigned. Uh, that was uh, when I signed up. It was I. I should have change that to something easier to remember uh yeah so that's why i, I did the twitter damon bell likes cars yeah you, so you go to twitter and it. give damon a call <laughs> yeah, i don't think seven. you can yeah you can um and it keeps all hmm. your followers because initially my first twitter handle was jill underscore simonello and i didn't want the underscore so i took it out oh all right you might I have to show me how to do that when we're done all yeah. right the <laughs> classy. all right it's quiz time boys and girls oh wait damon okay. you didn't Dude, Damon likes cars on Twitter, right? Yes. Damon Bell likes Bell. cars. Yes. Damon Bell. Yep. D Bell seven two three 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 seven eight. Well, maybe not much longer if I can't in fact change that. Okay, on that note, right. <laughs> to stay quiz. topical, to stay topical, kids, our today's quiz is on infinity. Ah. 
Oh. So I think you'll enjoy that. I think you know the rules. There are five questions. You both answer each question. And we have a tiebreaker, which is usually only semi-related to the topic. All right. Who goes first this week? I have I no idea. I think it's Damon. What? I think I went first last week with you, Tom. Right. Maybe. I don't know. And Damon, I'm just going to... Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, I'm going to guess that every answer is Edsel. <laughs> that, would, that is not right this week. Damn. Good okay. guess, though. Good okay. guess, though. All right, Damon. True or false, the Infinity QX80 is built in the United States. Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. Because I know that's based on the Nissan Patrol. Yep. Uh, right off the bat, you got a stumper. Um, I'm gonna boy, I'm gonna say no. All right, Joe. Uh, I'll say false too. You were both correct. One point for both of you. Um, the the U.S. market QX80 is built in Japan. Wow. All right. Okay. Question two. The Infiniti Q30 was sold in the U.S. for just one model year. True or false? Ooh, it was either one or two model years. I'm going to say true. Uh, you said Q30, right, Tom? Correct. I will say false. I think. Damon is correct. Yeah, the ah. Q30, which was a car-like version of the QX30, never actually was sold in the U.S. I think ah. we saw like production uh, versions of it. Okay. Was sold in Canada, is sold in other markets. I think it's sold in Japan. All right, Damon uh, takes I... a commanding two-to-one lead. <laughs> commanding. Commanding. All right. Guys, what is the all-wheel drive QX50's EPA combined fuel economy estimate? That is the mid-size crossover with all-wheel drive. And I ask this question because that vehicle comes with the much ballyhooed variable compression ratio engine. Is it 22? Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a compact, though, QX50. What did I say? Yeah, I think you said mid-size. I meant compact. Thank you. Okay. All right. Combined fuel economy estimate for the all-wheel drive model is at 22. 25, 28, or 32? Is it me first? Yes. yes. I'm going to guess uh, 25. All right. Jill? Uh, that was actually my guess as well. You can guess it as well. <laughs> yes, that, that I'm going with it. All right. It's two to three. You guys both are correct. It's 25 MPG. All, All right. right. All right. True or false, for 2020, the QX60, 60, I'm sorry, QX60, which is the midsize crossover in the Infinity lineup, is offered only in pure and luxe trim levels. Good grief. I, I, the only Infinity I've driven in like the last 10 years is like the QX80. Um, I'm gonna, I have no idea. I'm going to say false. Uh, can you can you repeat the question, Tom? Sure. True or false for 2020, the QX60 is offered only in pure and luxe trim levels. Ah, uh, I feel like there should be an essence trim level. Or, am I getting that confused with Buick? I, I'll agree with Jill. Uh, that's actually true. <laughs> Which is weird because there's lots and lots of trim levels for the QX50. Uh, All right. We're at two to three. This question's a good one. The Infinity M30 
offered between 1992 and 1992, I'm sorry, 1990 <laughs> and 1992, <laughs> was available as a coupe, a convertible, a coupe and a convertible, or a coupe and a sedan. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to need you to repeat that one. Sure. The Infiniti M30, which was offered M30. between 1990 and 1992, so this is one of the launch vehicles for the Infiniti brand, very okay. dramatically styled, was available uh -huh. as a coupe, a convertible, a coupe and a convertible, or a coupe and a sedan. I will say uh, a coupe and a convertible. All right. Jill? Um, I don't think it had a convertible. So you said the am the answers were coupe was like one, convertible is one, coupe uh -huh. and convertible is one, and then... Coupe and sedan. I'm going to go with coupe and sedan. Nope, Damon's got it. It was well, coupe and convertible. So Damon that... has won this one, uh. but... We have a bonus question that we're going to go to just for fun. Kids, which came to U.S. Shores first? Was it Acura, Lexus, or Infinity? Ooh. Oh, good question. Oh. Uh, I'll say Lexus. Yeah, I, th I think I'm going to agree. Yep. Actually, Acura. Huh? Really? Yeah. Yeah, Acura goes way back. So there you have it, kids. So what year... What year? What year was that for Acura? Eighty six. Eighty six. Wow. Okay. Yeah, with the Legend and the Integra, both really, really good cars. Ah. Huh. All right. So Damon, uh, four plus the bonus point. Or no, no, just four. You didn't get the nope. bonus question. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right, kids. That's great. Hey, Damon. <laughs> yes. Damon, what's going on on the uh, CG Daily Drive blog? Uh, we have all kinds of good stuff as usual. Uh, the in talking about the eight series BMWs that like we did in the first segment, we've got that review of our 840i coupe uh, up now. We'll be putting up uh, that M850i Grand Coupe in the near future. Um, we've got a couple other reviews. Uh, we've got the Jeep 2020 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited with the new Eco Diesel engine. Uh, interesting variation of, of the Wrangler. Uh, and then we've got a vehicle that we've talked about at length in this on this podcast in previous episodes, the 2020 Hyundai Venue. Uh, this is the top-line mm -hmm. denim model that we've got a review of. We at Consumer Guide took the unusual step of adding this vehicle to our Best Buy list uh, kind of midway through the year because uh, we liked it that much. And we've got mm -hmm. our full test drive review of, of that. Um, <laughs> we've got a, uh, in terms of TV and movie cars, we've got an article called the cars of Hogan's heroes. Cause all the kids uh, they're in, they're into me TV, <laughs> all the kids. I, and Tom, you're, you're kind of obsessed with Hogan, Hogan's heroes. It seems. I, I am, I am. And, and for good reason, <laughs> when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my parents didn't let me watch it. They didn't think there was anything funny about World War II. So I always started to watch mm -hmm. it sort of on the sly. But the more I watch this, especially as an adult, I'm utterly baffled by this show. It, it, it is the strangest concept for a comedy. Wacky Nazis. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how that works. But one of the weird side 
notes about that show is an incredibly weird collection of vehicles, including a giant six-wheel Mercedes, a strange little Volkswagen Kubelwagen, and a couple of cool other Mercedes and German cars. So even if you find the show strange, and even if you don't care about old TV, these cars are really weird. So we cover what those are. Actually, our guy Jack yeah. Stewart here at the office, one of our resident historians, did a really nice job of uncovering what those cars were and, and gives us a little history on those vehicles. Yeah, and, and I, uh, it's interesting to me for a couple reasons. Uh, as we note in the article, the Hogan's Heroes ran on CBS from 1965 to 1971, and the, long the, war. The, <laughs> yeah, longer than yeah. It, what's What's interesting to me is how audiences of the mid to late 60s and very early 70s uh, took to this show, and also how difficult or not difficult it was to source those military vehicles needed for the show at that time. Uh, yeah, one of, one of the things that Jack notes in the article, too, is that many of the trucks that show up were just American trucks because, you know, they had a budget. <laughs> That's what they had access to. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, so the last uh, thing we've got on the, the blog this week is uh, we've got a gallery of advertising car ads that feature cutaway uh illustrations. Uh, and the lead photo is an interesting uh, view of a 1972 Chevy Vega. Yeah, that was a fun article to put put together. It, it, it's always great to look back through classic ads and look for things that you wouldn't normally find, like a front three-quarter view of a new car. That's what you see in 90% of the ads. But if you dig yeah. a little deeper, there's some great old stuff. And some of these cutaways are absolutely awesome. Yeah, amazing illustrations. So... There we have it. Anything else going on uh, at the blog this week? Uh, there's there's more there, uh, but uh, yeah, we will circle back uh, next week with an, another round of new stuff. All right. Sounds good. I don't know if we know who our guest is yet next week, so that'll be a big surprise. But we will be talking to Larry Newton, who's been our guest before, about the Cadillac uh, XT6 in the near future. So we're getting that lined up as well. But kids, that's been a show. So special thanks to you, Damon, and you, Jill. Thanks for being here this week. Very Thank special you. thanks to Kelsey Mays at Cars.com. That guy is awesome. You want to check out what he's working on. Thanks to our producer, Paul. He is more than patient with us. Thanks to the good <laughs> folks at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago for making this work during weird virus times. And as always, thanks to my radio mentor, Steve and Johnny. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I am Tom Appel, and we will talk again next week. 